Well, the old groundhog's already done his thing. We're marching close to Valentine's Day, and the Super Bowl has already left the building, and quite a bore while it went on in Atlanta Sunday evening. Welcome into the Monday edition of Y'all Talk with a Southern Accent with your host, John Rawl. Hope your weekend was great and good to reconvene here on this all-Southern program. We'll talk about that Super Bowl and we'll give you the full breakdown of what happened Sunday evening in hour two when we do our recap of all things sports from the weekend. Plus, we'll get the teller of tales from, from Takapola, Jerry Short, and short stories. That's coming our way in hour two, and Jerry will discuss what happened at the Super Bowl as well as some other fun stuff that's on Jerry's mind, including what in the world happened this weekend in Richmond, Virginia with the governor there, Ralph Northam. He is holding on to office because of something that surfaced on Friday of last week, a racist photo that came out in an old yearbook. And we'll weigh in on that with Jerry Short and also connect the dots between this latest scandal and a scandal from around 16 years ago, 17 years ago, when Trent Lott, the senator from Mississippi, got into some hot water over some comments he made about South Carolina Senator Strom Thurmond. And we'll have all that coming with Jerry in hour two. Later this hour of the Y'all Show, we'll give you the latest with some business action, transactions that have been going on in the region. We'll also have hashtag hullabaloo, and we start off today's show with headlines but before we get to headlines let's remind you how you can reach us here on the all southern program our number is 803-816-1170 you can call or text that number anytime you feel like it 803-816-1170 and you can also go on the world wide web and find us our web address is y'all.com y-a-l-l.com if you go there you'll see archives of the show as tomorrow on the Y'all Show, we'll have our 150th edition of the Y'all Show. So we've got the balloons blown up. We've got the cake ready. We're going to have a party on the Tuesday, y'all. We'll also let you, when you go to your website, y'all.com, you'll see archives of our actual magazine. Not only the past audio archives of the Y'all Show, but the Y'all Magazine copies are there for your free perusal. And you'll get links to some great y'all merchandise and more, plus the contact information with an email address and more. It's yall.com, y'all.com. Well, hope your weekend was well. I wasn't kidding when I mentioned that earlier. I hope you had a good time. Maybe you had a great Super Bowl party you attended Sunday evening and all that. I've got to give my son props. I was with him over the weekend. And I'll tell you what, next Super Bowl Sunday or next college football season, I'm taking this kid to the casino with me, even though he's not allowed to. He's only eight. He is my good luck charm. He's his own good luck charm. So the last time he and I went into Dollar Tree, y'all probably have a Dollar Tree near you. That's the chain of dollar stores out there that truly the things in there cost a dollar. Kind of amazing how that happens. But the last time he and I were in a Dollar Tree store, he and I both like the NFL team, the Carolina Panthers. And when you walk into most Dollar Tree stores, they have the little coin games that you put money into and you either get bubble gum or other things. Well, one of the options they have at most Dollar Tree stores, they have, if you put 75 cents into this machine and turn the knob, you can get an NFL helmet to pop out, a little plastic mini helmet. Uh, they've had these things forever. I remember seeing them when I was a youngster, but now it's 75 cents to get one of these helmets out. And the last time we went into a store, he said, 
Daddy, let me have 75 cents. I want to see if I can get a Carolina Panthers helmet. And I'm like, okay, well, guess what, son? And I looked, I looked into the apparatus and there were, I think all 32, there's 32 NFL teams. I'm pretty sure I saw 32 different helmet options in there whenever he started spinning that knob. And would you believe it? The thing that popped out out of all those 32 options was a Carolina Panthers helmet. And my son was so excited. And this was around Christmas time. He was thrilled to get the Carolina Panthers mini helmet. Well, on Sunday, he and I were together. And before we even walked into the store, he knew he was going to do this again. And he said, Daddy, I think I'm going to win a Bengals helmet this time. I'm like, sure, okay. Cincinnati Bengals. <laughs> who, who was wanting to get a Cincinnati Bengals helmet? So he goes to the machine. And I could still see plenty of I, – I didn't even see a Bengals helmet, but I saw just about all the other helmet options that were in this little thing. Put the 75 cent in, and he spun the dial, and out pops a Cincinnati Bengals helmet. He had called that before he even walked into the store, and he had not been in that store since he and I were there a couple of months ago. And what an amazing, amazing deal. What are the odds of that, all you odds makers out there, to call your favorite helmet out of 32 options and do it two times in a row? Like I said, next Super Bowl, me and the boy, we're going to have to go to Tunica or Biloxi or Cherokee, North Carolina, or wherever else they've got casinos legalized these days for sports betting. I want to win lots of money, and he seems to be my meal ticket perhaps (laughs) when that comes. But that's my – Great Super Bowl memory of the 20, Super Bowl 53. Maybe you had a good memory. Maybe you won a lot of money. Maybe you won more than a plastic football helmet Sunday as the Patriots won 13-3 over the Los Angeles Rams in a very boring game and a very defensive-focused uh, game. And a lot of former South Carolina Gamecock players and other players with Southern Connections had something to do with that. We'll tell you about that when we get to hour two in our rewind of the sports activity from the weekend. But now as we dive into the headlines from the Southeast, yes, it was a bad weekend for Ralph Northam, the governor of the Commonwealth of Virginia. And if you go back to Friday, a video surfaced of his medical school yearbook that shows on a page that's got Ralph Northam's name on it, a person wearing blackface next to a guy in a KKK outfit. And he originally apologized for it. Then on Saturday, he came out and he he defended this and said, the picture is not me and I didn't have anything to do with this. And oh, by the way, in that same year, 1984, that this picture was taken, although I didn't do this, when I was in the army living in San Antonio, I did put some black shoe polish on my face and pretended to be Michael Jackson in a contest there where he did the moonwalk. So that was his justification. A very, very bizarre situation for the governor of Virginia right now. His entire party, it seems, has come down on him asking for his resignation. The Republicans also in Virginia have done the same thing. And I I don't know where we're going to go. This is a developing story, of course. I do find it a little odd that a photo can surface 35 years later and, and be this damaging. 35 years ago now he was not a kid he was in his early 20s when this photo was taken so he should have known better his innocence is not necessarily an excuse here but the passage of time i don't know when is it not a big deal anymore especially in a situation like this and we're going to talk to jerry short about it hour two 
And I'm going to actually bring back a memory from my childhood. I remember watching somewhere in the early 80s off of Beta. We rented this movie, and I still remember it. One of the funniest movies that I remember seeing, and Blackface was a part of this movie. And I'm going to bring that up and let Jerry. And it was not a movie from like the 1930s. It was a movie that came out in the late 70s. And I'll get Jerry to, to chime in on this when we get to that point in hour two. But right now, it appears Governor Northam is, is digging in and doesn't want to relinquish the power in Virginia as he is the governor. Now, the lieutenant governor of, of Virginia is Justin Fairfax, and he is set to become governor if Northam does resign. And if that were to happen, Fairfax, who's also a Democrat, would be the second black governor in Virginia's history. So you have to wonder, perhaps, if a lot, a lot of people aren't jumping the gun on this thing and wanting Northam out so they could get another black governor in Virginia. I think that could be part of the factor of why it's been almost unanimous, his calls for resi- his resignation, especially after he's staunchly defended and said that that was not him in the photo, although on Friday he said it was. So confusing situation, to say the least, coming from the Commonwealth of Virginia. A Colin Kaepernick outdoor mural did not survive an Atlanta building's demolition over the Super Bowl weekend. This mural has been destroyed in Atlanta. It was put on an outdoor mural was put on an abandoned building but that building was torn down last week as the city was getting ready for the big game and now the artist who did that mural is mourning the loss fabian williams said that he just had a hard time understanding why this would happen he said symbols matter you destroyed the whole building it was on if i were an interpreter or performance art what message would you have taken from that well guess what don't go paint your murals on abandoned buildings. By the way, the Colin Kaepernick artwork featured him wearing a number seven jersey of the Atlanta Falcons, a team he's never played for. I guess they were hoping Atlanta would sign Kaepernick and have him come play for the Dirty Birds. But they got a pretty good quarterback in Atlanta called Matt Ryan, Matty Ice, who's done a good job leading the Falcons, maybe not in this past year, but Colin Kaepernick's mural, sadly, if you like Mr. Kaepernick, it's down in Atlanta. They got a lot of murals and stuff in, in downtown Atlanta. I know I've seen the John Lewis, Congressman John Lewis mural in Atlanta as well. Sad news from Maryland. Five children have died after a crash on US 301 near Bowie, Maryland. These children were the ages of five all the way up to 15 and all were related and they were killed after an SUV ran off Northbound US 301 into a wooded area, struck several trees and threw the kids from the vehicle and spun around in a snow-covered field Saturday morning. Maryland State Police Captain Daniel Pickett said, every collision we have where someone loses a life is a tragedy. It's as simple as that. And when children are involved, it's more of a tragedy. The crash occurred in the area of Pointer Ridge Drive in Prince George's County. And this happened at around 5 in the morning on Saturday. The children were all in the back seat of this SUV. The two adults, the driver, Dominique Taylor of Bowie, Maryland, and front seat passenger Cornell Simon, 23, of Oxon Hill, Maryland, survived after the 2005 Chrysler Pacifica crashed and five children, all deceased. Again, ages ranging from five up to 15. 
and a horrible deal. Five killed there in Maryland. All right, some rap stories to tell you about. We got three different rap-related stories here in our headlines on this Monday. Rather strange here, but here we go. Rapper 21 Savage was taken into federal immigration custody in Atlanta early on Sunday. The rap artist, whose given name is Shah Yah Ben Abraham hyphen Joseph, was arrested in a targeted operation in the Atlanta area involving local and federal law enforcement officers, ICE, and others. And in an emailed statement, this artist, who is a British citizen, Mr. 21 Savage, he had overstayed his visa, and he also has a felony conviction. And a lot of people look up to him as a role model, but Mr. Abraham hyphen Joseph off to the jail now. He's nominated for two awards at next week's Grammys, but he is arrested and in custody of the immigration service after he's got these pending litigation going on. And again, he's overstayed his visa. Can't do that. Now, another rapper and the news, he was arrested and charged with battery in Atlanta. Bow Wow. Have y'all heard of Bow Wow? His real name is Shad Moss. And he was arrested early on Saturday following a fight with a woman in Midtown Atlanta. And he'd been charged with misdemeanor battery charges. When officers came to the call, the woman told them Moss had assaulted her. But the rapper said the woman had assaulted him. So officers were unable to determine the primary aggressor of the altercation. So both parties were charged with battery. And both suffered minor injuries were taken to the Fulton County, Georgia jail. Moss was being held in jail on an $8,000 signature bond. See what happens to Bow Wow arrested. And finally, our last rapper singer from Atlanta story is about Big Boy, B-O-I, as he wore a fur coat during the Super Bowl halftime show. And now PETA, the people for ethical treatment of animals, are going bananas over this as he performed on Maroon 5 Super Bowl 53 halftime show. And this singer, he's an Atlanta rapper, big boy. He came out toward the end of Maroon 5 set, and he had on his fur coat, and he rolled onto the field, by the way, in a Cadillac convertible and danced his way on stage sport, sporting this fur, fur coat. I don't know if you had a chance to see it or not, but it certainly made a statement. And PETA tweeted a side-by-side graphic of big boy, in his purchased fur next to a furless fox. And Peter said in the tweet, if animals have to be murdered for your coat, just choose something else for fox sake. But it looked like he had a fox fur coat. Pretty coat. I've never owned a fur coat. Maybe we'll find out it actually was a fake fur coat. Right now, there's been no response from rapper Big Boy about his wardrobe choice at the Super Bowl. But a rather boring game. And a somewhat interesting halftime show if you had a chance to to watch that. Now, to Texas, Baylor University is investigating three allegations of rape at a residence hall involving the same individuals. And this happened a few days ago. A string of assaults reported last week all occurred at the Waco campus's South Russell Hall. And a spokesperson for Baylor, Tanya Hudson, said the cases were referred to the university's title nine office which investigates sexual assault claims under the federal law barring gender-based discrimination in schools remember baylor has had tons of sexual assault allegations and maybe even convictions i've lost track of what all's happened at baylor and waco texas 
Baylor officials settled a federal lawsuit last year involving a former volleyball player who said she was drugged and gang raped by members of the football team back in 2012. And just one of many problems at Baylor. But here, three more allegations of rape coming on campus in a dorm there at Baylor University in Texas. Now, more horrible news coming from higher education in terms of sexual assaults and such. But this comes from our military academies, the USMA at West Point, the USNA in Annapolis, and the Air Force Academy in Colorado Springs. A report released at the end of last week by the Defense Department was based on an anonymous survey, and it found that the number of sexual assaults at these three military academies had spiked by nearly 50% in the last two years. According to this report, 747 cadets and midshipmen from the U.S. Military Academy at West Point, the Naval Academy at Annapolis, and the Colorado Springs-based Air Force Academy responded. 747 said that they had experienced unwanted sexual contact. And that's just a hard thing to believe. According to this survey, about 16% of women and 2% of men at West Point had experienced unwanted sexual contact. And that's up from two years before when 10% had indicated. So I don't know what's going on in the barracks of these military academies, but that is a, a astounding number there that you've got that kind of a sexual assault being reported to schools that honor codes and such are a huge part of it. And we see now that this is a maybe a reflection of our whole country if this is happening at our military academies, our renowned military academies, West Point, Annapolis, and Colorado Springs' Air Force Academy. Trump National Golf Course in Florida welcomed in golfers Jack Nicklaus, Tiger Woods, and the Commander-in-Chief over the weekend as President Trump golfed at the Jupiter, Florida golf course with a couple of his buddies. Trump arrived at this private club in Jupiter after he escaped the bitter cold of Washington, D.C. a day early. Trump usually goes down to Trump National and his West Palm, Palm Beach area, Jupiter area at Super Bowl weekend. He usually has a Super Bowl party. We've seen photos of that in years past. But President Trump sent a tweet out over the weekend of the the trio, Trump, Nicholas, and Tiger Woods all standing on a tee box saying it was a great morning. It was Trump's first trip to Florida since Thanksgiving. He had had a little ban of going down there after the government shutdown. And, of course, Trump's a big golf fan, and Jack Nicklaus and Tiger Woods joined him for the 18 holes of golf at the Jupiter Club there in South Florida. But the Trump National Jupiter Golf Club and Spa, got golf club and spa in Jupiter, Florida, welcoming in a couple of great golfers and a guy that I think he's pretty good. He He's always bragged that he's always been a club champion, President Trump is. Now, I did see over the weekend watching NBC Sports on Saturday, they had the big waste management tournament going on in Phoenix, and President Trump sent a customized message for NBC Sports for Johnny Miller to watch, and it was President Trump congratulating the legendary golfer on his retirement as a Sports analyst on NBC Sports, Johnny Miller, has been in that role for about 25 years, and Saturday was his last day in the booth broadcasting NBC Sports' golf coverage. And President Trump, a big fan of Johnny Miller, wishing him well in his retirement from that career after he already had a tremendous career on the golf links as a PGA Tour member. 
Lexington, Kentucky is honoring Black History Month, and they're also honoring Rosa Parks. This week, the local transit there, Lextran, is commemorating the birth of Rosa Parks by reserving a seat on each of its buses in honor of Rosa Parks. The seats will feature a poster with a picture of Parks as well as a QR code courtesy of the Lexington Public Library, which will direct riders to books about Rosa Parks. And the poster will include a brief explanation of why Lextran is doing this. The honorary seats will be reserved each day this week until Friday, February 4th. That's today is Rosa Parks's birthday. Of course, she, she died several years ago, but this, I think she's a Yankee. I know she was living in Detroit when she died, but I believe she was a Yankee born and then came south briefly to participate in the Montgomery boys bus boycott and then went back up north. So really not even a person that I'm aware of lives in the south all that much, but certainly had a big influence in the south and the changing of the laws and such. But Lexington, Kentucky, honoring Rosa Parks on today, her birthday as well the rest of the week by reserving a seat on each bus in her honor. Now, here's a terrible story coming from Wilkesboro, North Carolina. And I want to call this not just Confederate craziness, but it's called liberal craziness gone amok as over the weekend in wilkesboro they have a revolutionary war statue there and it was vandalized as well as a confederate memorial also in the area was vandalized it looks like by the same person and on the revolutionary war monument it was to a, a colonel from the revolutionary war named colonel cleveland and he was part of the Wilkes County Militia in the Revolutionary War, they spray-painted red all over him and then wrote on his statue, Genocide, for Colonel Ben Cleveland's statue in Wilkesboro, North Carolina. Then they went to the Confederate on a monument there in Wilkesboro and spray-painted over a list of names honoring that county's Confederate soldiers with attack in big, bright spray-paint. And so this is an example where these radical lawbreakers aren't just against Confederate people. This is an example. They're going after Revolutionary War people as well. And we know from what's happening in nearby Greensboro, North Carolina, they've decided, hey, we've just got to actually Winston-Salem, rather. They've decided Winston-Salem, hey, we can't have this vandalism. Let's just get rid of the statue altogether off the courthouse, the old courthouse grounds in Winston-Salem. And don't be surprised if you don't see something similar happening there. Let the vandals, let the crime breakers have their way because we can't have this happen. Instead of going after these people, they just let history be erased. And that's what they're trying to do. If, if, if I had to take a guess what may happen next in Wilkesboro, North Carolina. Here's a crazy story coming from East Tennessee. As prosecutors say, a blood gang member who claims to be a sovereign citizen He's now been convicted of biting off the end of a Tennessee police officer's thumb. And Knox County District Attorney General Charm Allen announced that a jury convicted 30-year-old Alexander Ray Johnson of aggravated assault, punishable by three to six years in prison, and two assault counts. A Knoxville officer stopped Johnson in June 2017 for speeding and for having a fake license plate that claimed a right to travel as a sovereign Hebrew Israelite. Sovereign citizens deny the legitimacy of government authority. Prosecutors say Johnson wouldn't get out or provide his license and argued whether speeding was a crime. And that's when they say Johnson fought officers 
while they tried to take him into custody, and he bit backup officer Trey Lane's thumb. Prosecutors are requesting a maximum sentence of 30-year-old Alexander Ray Johnson in Knox County, Tennessee, after he bit off this reserve officer's thumb are part of it. Yeesh. Now, this, this same group, we just mentioned this, this sovereign Hebrew Israelite, that's the same guys that up in Washington, D.C. the other weekend were harassing those kids from Covington, Kentucky, and calling them horrible names. And they they have a reputation of being very vocal, very vulgar when they're out protesting. And this guy was protesting in a way I haven't seen by biting off part of a police officer's thumb. On the opposite end of Tennessee, in Memphis over the weekend, in the Memphis area, Stephen Tyler of Aerosmith was spotted in the Memphis suburb of Germantown, and police posted a photo of Tyler and one of Germantown's officers on their Facebook page Sunday. Now, Tyler is in the Memphis area for the opening of Janie's house, and that's going to be located on Youth Village's Bartlett campus. Now, what is Janie's house? It's a home for runaway girls and abused girls. And Stephen Tyler, he's helping out by coming to the Memphis area and making an appearance there today at Janie's house at Youth Village's Check that out. It seems like a worthy cause. Stephen Tyler, good to see him participating in something like that. Well, that is a quick look at what's going on around the Southland. Coming up on the Y'all Show, we've got hashtag hullabaloo. And before the hour one is done, we're going to look at some of the business happenings of the region. All that on the Y'all Show. Talk with a Southern accent. There's never been a better time to switch to Sprint Unlimited and enjoy a great wireless plan at an amazing price. For a limited time, make the switch to Sprint and get your third, fourth, and fifth lines free. That means five lines of Unlimited for just $20 per month per line. That's a savings of more than $1,000 your first year over Verizon and AT&T. Hurry to a Sprint store, visit Sprint.com slash Unlimited, or call 800-SPRINT-1. Make the switch to Sprint today and get your third, fourth, and fifth lines free. That's five lines of Unlimited for just $20 per month per line from Sprint, a network built for Unlimited. This is a limited-time offer, so act now. After 131-2020, pay $32 per month per line for five lines of Unlimited Basic with AutoPay. Savings compared to Verizon Go Unlimited and AT&T Unlimited and more for five lines. Features differ. Coverage and offer not available everywhere. Excludes taxes, fees, and roaming. Subject to credit and $30 activation fee. Speed maximums, use rules, and restrictions apply. So maybe you've got a big love for your sweetheart, but a small budget. Hey, we've got your Valentine's Day covered. Now with Sherry's Berries, you can love big and save big. Because now for just $19.99 plus shipping, you can treat your sweetheart to delicious dipped Valentine's strawberries. Watch her light up when she gets these ripe, juicy, delicious berries. Freshly dipped in dark, white, and milk chocolatey goodness. And covered in decadent toppings like chocolate chips and hard and glitter sprinkles. Only from Sherry's Berries. Just $19.99 plus shipping. And don't stop there. 
there because for another $19.99, you can add a dozen red roses to those amazing dipped berries shipped together at no extra charge to make her Valentine's Day unforgettable. That's Sherry's Berries for only $19.99 plus shipping and a dozen red roses for just $19.99 more. The only way to get this amazing deal is to go to berries.com, click on the microphone in the upper right-hand corner, and enter code 1000. That's berries.com, click on the mic, enter code 1000. Berries.com, code 1000. It's the Monday, y'all, rolling right along post Super Bowl party here. And we're having a party because it's hashtag Hullabaloo time on the Y'all Show with John Rawl. And let's get it going with Roar. R-A-W-A-R. Not R-A-W-L. R-A-W-R. And that's the name. And the Twitter account is Random91. And here's what Roar says on Twitter. When people are more interested in throwing footballs in a trash can than the game. Hashtag Super Bowl. (laughs) That... I guess could be a reference to one of the commercials that came on Sunday evening during the Super Bowl, but it could be in reference to what was, in some people's eyes, a very boring football game. Now, it was a throwback game to at least when defenses ruled the day. Remember, the 13-3 win by New England was the lowest scoring Super Bowl in Super Bowl history. And that even goes back to the 60s when there was definitely more of a defensive presence in professional football. But the Patriots get it done, and Roar was not exactly happy about the Super Bowl and it being a little bit on the boring end. Another Super Bowl-related tweet coming at you. It comes from actor Jose Avocito. Ace the Actor is the Twitter account, and actor Jose Avocito is a filmmaker and actor, and he says, let's make some magic. You can call me Ace. All right, Ace, we'll call you just that. And Avocito put out on Twitter, glad the Super Bowl is over. It's time to get rid of annoying Pepsi ads. This is Coca-Cola country. Hashtag Atlanta. Well, I I, I guess what he's referencing, and I, I didn't see all the commercials on Sunday's Super Bowl, but I know at least in the playoffs and really toward the end of the season in NFL action and even beyond the actual NFL games, as a Panthers fan, Pepsi certainly had a big presence in advertising, and they had a lot of Carolina Panthers advertising within the Pepsi commercials. Of course, Pepsi was born in the Carolinas. Coke was born in Atlanta. So there's a rivalry between the Carolinas and Georgia. Love it, love it, love it. But the Panthers, they star in this Pepsi ad, of which if you've seen it, Ron Rivera, the head coach of the Carolina Panthers, drinks a Pepsi after all the fans in the stands opened up a can of Pepsi when a kicker was trying to make a field goal and he doinked it off the upright and 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 Rivera ends up drinking a Pepsi and smiles and that's the end of the commercial maybe that's what Ace the actor was tired of seeing but Pepsi they're making an effort good give them credit they're trying to compete with the billions of dollars available in the soft drink industry and they're just trying to make their presence known just because the Super Bowl was in Atlanta, home of Coca-Cola. I'm sure CBS, the network that aired the game, had no problem taking Pepsi-Cola's money <laughs> in advertising. 
And hey, I like getting the Panthers all the face time they can get because at least on the wins and loss standpoint, they and the Falcons and a lot of other good Southern teams, Buccaneers included, they're not about to get Super Bowl time for their on the field performance. They have to have this fake game in a Pepsi commercial to give them a lot of love. And I guess it's better than nothing. Our last Super Bowl related social media discovery is a gif that I saw. Maybe you saw the same thing. And it was a map of the United States that has essentially four different colors on it. And the four colors represent how fans felt about this game, the Super Bowl, going into it. Now, if you look at the map, most every state on the map, with about four exceptions, are all one color. And that one color is It says, still bitter about Saints no call. They're referencing the NFC Championship game where a call was not made and the Saints lost that to the Rams. Well, that's true. Most all these states are bitter about the Saints no call, according to this map. But Louisiana actually is a different color than all the rest of the country. And I'll tell you what that means in a second. New England area. So it says for them, they're Patriots fans. And then California is a different color. And it says Rams fans. So what is Louisiana if the rest of the country is bitter about the Saints no call? Louisiana on this map is a whole different color. What does that represent? Well, it says for Louisiana, they hope that both teams lose ready for Mardi Gras. (laughs) That's funny there. And it is time for Mardi Gras. And let me be honest with you. I am not a Louisiana native. And so it's hard for me to properly pronounce this word even. But if you're truly a Louisiana native and you're from the Big Easy, it's not Mardi Gras. There's no R in Mardi. It's Mardi Gras. Mardi Gras. So, yeah, a lot of people already turning the page to Mardi Gras. But a lot of Saints fans, at least the ones I see, they're still they're still pretty mad. They, they won't be partying quite so much. They still got anger all inside of them over what happened. All right. Now, I should have mentioned this before that discussion there. I love Mary Catherine Ham. Have you seen her? She's on CNN. She's a political contributor. She's been on a bunch of networks through the years. She's really talented. She grew up in North Carolina. She got a degree in journalism from the University of Georgia. Just does a great job. Conservative commentator. Well, she had to chime in on all of the Pepsi Coca-Cola controversy. And her Twitter account loved this handle. MK Hammer. <laughs> Speaking of Atlanta, instead of M. MJ Hammer, whatever the guy's name, rapper. She's MK Hammer. And she says, none of you will convince me Pepsi is okay. And somebody named Ward Henniker responded back to Mary Catherine Ham, hashtag Southern. I guess kind of getting back at what I said about Coke and, and Pepsi having a rivalry going on between the Carolinas and Georgia. But Mary Catherine Ham, not a fan of the Pepsi and saying it's Okay. And, and she's from North Carolina, so she's really torn. She's got the North Carolina connection and she went to school at UGA. So I feel sorry for you there, MK Hammer. Chef Jordan Walker is on Twitter at jmarie1115. And Chef Jordan Walker says, food is love. And Chef Jordan Walker is an artist. The plate is my canvas. And he put on here, last night I cooked lemon pepper chicken. Baked macaroni and cheese and Brussels sprouts. Brussels sprouts. Hashtag Southern. Hashtag macaroni and cheese. Hashtag Memphis, Tennessee. So it looks like he cooked this in the Bluff City in Shelby County 
in Tennessee. So yeah, having a good time, good time with the lemon pepper chicken and baked macaroni, not, not just your standard macaroni, but baked macaroni and cheese. Seems like a pretty good option. Now, I don't know about Brussels sprouts. I, I'm no huge fan of those things, but if that made you happy, and then Chef Jordan Walker plainly told us that the plate is his canvas. And so what a beautiful work you got there, Chef Walker, with your Memphis cooking there of lemon pepper chicken and more. Kevin Sullivan is on Twitter at KF Sully tweets. And he says that he loves leading by example. He's a proud husband and father and a perpetual learner. I like that. And he has a gif that he's attached to his hashtag translations identification and it's Southern translations. So we can have some fun with this here. And it looks like something out of right out of the dictionary, Southern translations. Y'all, I don't have to tell you what y'all translates to, but Kevin Sullivan wants us to know. That's why he put this Twitter out, tweet out. It says, y'all, two or more people. Okay, that makes sense. All y'all, three or more people. Mike could. The translation of that is, might be able to. I reckon. The translation for that is, I guess. Fixing to. That's a Southern translation meaning I'm going to. Southern translation for the word yonder. Yonder means over there somewhere. And finally, bless your heart translates to, I don't want to hurt your feelings, but you're an idiot. (laughs) Or some of us say you're an idiot. And those are some Southern translations. Thanks to Kevin Sullivan on Twitter. Thank you, sir. Next up on the fun of hashtag hellblue comes to us from Huntsville, Alabama, and they're having a discussion on Twitter with an organization called Columbus Curling. This is the Rocket City Curling Club out of Huntsville having a discussion with Columbus, Ohio Curling Club. And Columbus Curling, here's what, of course, a smart aleck Yankee, here's what they put on Twitter. Huge fan of Southern clubs calling each other y'all. If we could just get the Pittsburgh Curling Club out here yinzing, people curling Twitter would be complete. (laughs) So if you're into curling, there's evidently some discussion going on between these curling clubs. And yeah, in Pittsburgh, they have not y'all. They say yins there. Y'all, the rest of the country is you guys. Y'all, you guys, and yins. Yins only in the Pittsburgh area. So that's kind of a funny thing. But the Rocket City Curling Club in Huntsville, they fire back to the Columbus, Ohio Curling Club We'd be down to help y'all, but Yens just feels weird. <laughs> so they're not going to subscribe to the thought of Yens being a part of the curling club discussion there in Huntsville and having fun with the whole y'all, Yens, and you guys argument. And our last hashtag colorable dude comes from Gene Bowker, and it's at Gene B-O-W-K-E-R on Twitter. And Bowker says, I'm known for my train images and Americana photos from around the southeastern U.S. All right. Well, I like me some good train images, and I like any kind of image of the southeast, to be honest, Gene. But it, he's got a picture of an old, looks like the old barn or old building with an old Cheerwine ad on the side of the building. And he, he puts on Twitter, you might be Southern if you drink Cheerwine with a picture of this ad included. Now, again, if you're not in the Carolinas and you're not in maybe some states that Cheerwine's moved into in the last couple of years, you may not know about this cherry-flavored soft drink. 
It's actually put out by the Carolina Beverage Corporation from Salisbury, North Carolina. You can find cheer wine in Cookout. That's a restaurant chain also from North Carolina that's really growing by leaps and bounds all over the southeast. But cheer wine is a delicious drink. I just had some on Sunday evening, and it's been produced since 1917, and it claims to be the oldest continuing soft drink company still run by the same family, cheer wine. And slogans for Cheerwine, love these, through the years have included Born in the South, Raised in a Glass, (laughs) Nectar of the South, another slogan used by Cheerwine. And here's another one, Betcha Can't Not Smile, and a new one they started last year called Uniquely Southern, Cheerwine. We need to get them sponsoring the Y'all Shoe, by golly. But Gene Bowker, great photo of the Cheerwine ad, and great Kind of nostalgia there for all of you who like the old, I love the old ads on the sides of barns or other buildings that you see, especially as you travel the rural roads of the region and a Cheerwine ad, pretty incredible. Now, I grew up in a state next to North Carolina, and I'll be honest, Cheerwine didn't have a presence in South Carolina until the last 10 years. So it it really kind of has been coming out of its shell in North Carolina growing. As I said, now they have distributor deals I think it's in Birmingham, Buffalo Rock is the distributor there. The Cheerwine's a lot more available in Alabama. It's in Mississippi now. Tennessee's got it in certain stores, and people like it. I know it's got probably a lot of caffeine, but it sure tastes good. Well, I'll tell you what tastes good, and that's more of the Y'all Show coming your way in your palate. And we'll have a look at business transactions from the South on the other side of this break as we roll through Hour 1. This is Y'all. Wes worked hard to make his dream of playing in the NHL come true. Every day, he'd be out playing street hockey constantly. Townspeople would drive by and shout, Get out of the street! But Wes never gave up. Well, until one day when someone yelled, Get in the car, you're going to make us all late to work! Because Wes was a 43-year-old accountant and he commuted with that guy downtown. So Wes never played in the NHL. But he did hear how Geico, proud partner of the NHL, could save him money on car insurance. So he switched and saved and made his other dream come true. In winter, you can practically hear your skin changing. Drying out, flaking, tightening, becoming itchy, irritated, and inflamed. You need the fast relief of Cortisone 10 Intensive Healing Anti-Itch Cream. Unlike regular lotions, Cortisone 10 relieves itch and irritation with 1% hydrocortisone, the strongest non-prescription itch medicine, plus seven healing moisturizers. With Cortisone 10, winter can just sound fun again. Cortisone 10. Feel the heal. Use as directed. Guys, this Valentine's Day, you can order like a pro with gorgeous roses from Pro Flowers, guaranteed to stay fresh and beautiful for at least seven days. Get her a stunning bouquet of one dozen assorted roses with a free glass vase for $24.99 plus shipping and handling. Plus, pick a delivery date and it's guaranteed. You'll be a Valentine's Day pro. Hurry, offer ends soon. The only way to get this incredible deal is to go to proflowers.com, click the blue microphone in the upper right corner, and enter secret code 2000. That's proflowers.com, code 2000. If you're worried about your cholesterol, hear how others are taking charge with garlic. My doctor said my cholesterol was borderline, but I've been taking garlic, and it works. I've been taking garlic for years. My pharmacist recommended garlic. He said there's an ingredient in garlic that helps maintain healthy cholesterol. I take garlic every day. No garlic breath. Lots of people like you are choosing garlic to help maintain a healthy cholesterol. Garlic, it's cholesterol's natural enemy. These statements have not been evaluated by the FDA. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Use as directed. 
baby, get ready, set, go Gonna take you to the crystal and a picture show Well, the sky's the limit, there's no price too high Baby, you're the apple of my eye we're back. Final segment of this hour one of the Y'all Show Talk with a Southern Accent with your host, John Rawl. And it's time now for a little business activity here on the Y'all Show. You hear the John Anderson song, Money in the Bank, and we like to help you put lots of money in your bank. But we start off today's business report with some news from the Mid-South. Arkansas-based Walmart is changing its sick leave policy, and they're also offering bonuses for good attendance, the nation's largest retailer is changing its sick policy in an effort to reduce absenteeism. Currently, Walmart's hourly employees can miss up to nine days every six months for unexpected absences. The new policy cuts that to five, but workers will also receive up to six days a year of, quote, protected paid time off. And that can be used for a variety of reasons, including illness or emergencies. The company's vacation day policy is not changing walmart getting i guess a little creative in their strategy with all this uh, walmart with more than three hundred thousand hourly associates that have spotless attendance records that's 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 a lot of people that have been loyal to walmart and again offering bonuses for those people those three hundred thousand i don't know the exact count of walmart employees these days but in most places, they are the largest employer, and kudos to them, and what a what a success story. Officials in the Memphis area say Swedish appliance maker Electrolux has agreed to pay taxes on a factory. The company has decided to shut down in Memphis, Tennessee. Electro, Electrolux said that it plans to stop production within two years at its Memphis factory while investing $250 million to consolidate U.S. cooking manufacturing into its Springfield, Tennessee facility, Springfield, north of Nashville. Memphis, Shelby County, and the state gave about $150 million in financial incentives to Electrolux for the factory, and Electrolux once said it would employ 1,200 people at this Memphis factory, which opened in 2014 and makes ovens. But they're making some changes there and not sure exactly what's going to happen with Electrolux in Memphis, at least, but advantage for its Springfield, Tennessee facility. And in Middle Tennessee, we have some news coming from the sports world. A local business person in Nashville is trying to bring a major league baseball team to Nashville, and it, it may happen. This is all being led by businessman John Lohr, and he came to Nashville from San Francisco Bay several years ago, and he believes that he can convince a major league team or maybe even an expansion franchise to start in Nashville. He's formed the Music City Equity Group, which includes a network of businesses, including sports, music, and community leaders. And they're focused on bringing the major league baseball franchise to Middle Tennessee. According to Laura, there's a land near Nissan Stadium in downtown Nashville that's already owned by the Metropolitan Sports Authority. And it's large enough to carve out space for more than just a stadium. And I've heard some of the baseball pundits say that Nashville is right at the top of the list for getting maybe a, a franchise, a, a brand new team. Now, another team or another town that's also in the mix is Charlotte, North Carolina. It keeps being listed as a, a team, a place that a team could end up being a new team or a, a relocated team. I know the 
the Athletics are having some stadium issues right now, and it seems like the Tampa Bay Rays have constant problems with their stadium and future of their franchise. But Nashville and Charlotte, potential new homes of Major League Baseball in case that sport decides to expand those two cities looking looking to get into the action of MLB. That's a look at some sports news from a business standpoint and other happenings in the business world from the Mid-South here on this Monday, y'all. Well, Hour 2 is heading your way next. Speaking of sports, we'll have a recap of the Super Bowl and we'll bring on Jerry Short, the teller of tales from Takapola with his short stories. This is y'all. Don't go anywhere. So maybe you've got a big love for your sweetheart, but a small budget. Hey, we've got your Valentine's Day covered. Now with Sherry's Berries, you can love big and save big. Because now for just $19.99 plus shipping, you can treat your sweetheart to delicious dipped Valentine's strawberries. Watch her light up when she gets these ripe, juicy, delicious berries. Freshly dipped in dark, white, and milk chocolatey goodness. And covered in decadent toppings like chocolate chips and hard and glitter sprinkles. Only from Sherry's Berries. Just $19.99 plus shipping. And don't stop there because for another $19.99, you can add a dozen red roses to those amazing dipped berries shipped together at no extra charge to make her Valentine's Day unforgettable. That's Sherry's Berries for only $19.99 plus shipping and a dozen red roses for just $19.99 more. The only way to get this amazing deal is to go to berries.com, click on the microphone in the upper right-hand corner, and enter code 1000. That's berries.com, click on the mic, enter code 1000. Berries.com, code 1000. Long ago, you wouldn't think of galloping on a horse while doing calligraphy, and you wouldn't have attempted to ride your bike while typing a letter. Yet you think you can safely operate a multi-ton vehicle while texting? Behind the wheel is no place to multitask. If you want to BRB, drive now and text later. Lives depend on it. Visit StopTextStopRex.org, a message brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, Project Yellow Light, Noise, and the Ad Council. It is the Y'all Show. Talk with a Southern accent on the day after Super Bowl 53. Welcome back into Hour 2 of this All Southern program with your host, John Rawl. We've got the Tell of Tales from Takapola and the rest of Dixie, Jerry Short with Short Stories. That's coming up in just a few minutes. We'll get Jerry's take on the Super Bowl and a little bit more. In fact, we're going to have him comment on all of the fun, if you want to call it, that happened in Richmond, Virginia this past weekend with the governor there getting into some hot water where there were photos from 34 years ago. And we'll talk about that in just a few minutes here on the Y'all Show. If you want to reach us here, our number is 803-816-1170. On the web, we are at y'all.com on Twitter at Y'all Show. We start off today in hour two with our review of all things sports from the past weekend. And of course, nothing bigger sports-wise than what happened last evening in the NFL. We went to Mercedes-Benz Stadium in downtown Atlanta, Georgia. And Tom Brady became the first player in NFL history to win six Super Bowls as his New England Patriots defeated the Los Angeles Rams 13-3 13-3 in Super Bowl 53. Uh, no, I'm sorry. It's not Super Bowl. It's Super Bowl 53. 
but a lot of people kind of felt that way super bowl 53 but yeah it was not exactly the most high scoring game ever in fact it was the lowest scoring super bowl in history super bowl 53 brady finished the night 21 of 35 with a total of 262 yards and one interception as the Patriots ended up getting a go-ahead touchdown in the fourth quarter and were able to hold on and get a a nice win. And one of my favorite traditions each year isn't necessarily the game itself, but I love what happens after the game's over and the players are lining up and that Lombardi trophy comes down the little narrow path and the players get to hold it, get to kiss it, and – I love the song that's played over the television set. It's called the Lombardi Trophy theme, and I'm going to play it right now as we continue talking about the Super Bowl. So, yeah, please go ahead and start. Cue the music. Oh, gosh. just gets me excited when I hear that thing. And it's the song you only hear once a year when a team wins the Super Bowl. But, man, what a great win for the Patriots. And now their sixth Super Bowl in the time that Tom Brady has been there, sixth Super Bowl win for Mr. Kraft, Bill Belichick, the coach of that team, a team that's been part of the NFL since they were in the AFL, one of the original members of the American Football League back in 1960 as the Boston Patriots, and they get the big win over the Rams, and this was a boring game. Luckily, I didn't watch every single play. I saved myself the agony, but... And when it mattered most, the Pats got it done. And the MVP of the game was Julian Edelman. How about this? The former Kent State Golden Flash receiver. He, I think, was the third leading receiver ever in Super Bowl history with his performance with over 100 yards receiving in the game. And my very unscientific research shows that Edelman becomes the first Jewish football player to ever win the Super Bowl MVP. So congratulations to this California native for picking up this great honor. He's been in the league since 2009, and he's won now three Super Bowl titles with the New England Patriots in his time. And he's become a guy with glue out there on his stuck on his fingers as he catches all the passes thrown his way. And Gronkowski also a great job in Super Bowl 53 in his tight end role for the Pats. But they get the win. And what do you think of the game? I'm glad I didn't watch most of the game. I tuned into the stuff that mattered at the end of the game. But it was it was not exactly for a season full of offensive excitement. This game here was a rather boring game. Now, if you love defense, it was right up your alley. And it was a throwback game for sure to, to the old days of the NFL. But the Brady-led Patriots get another win, and he's going to keep on playing, he says. He's got 45 Locked up as his age that he wants to maybe retire at. So he's got about four years left if his health stays the way it appears it will be. And Tom Brady and Julian Edelman and the rest of the New England Patriots. Got to give a shout out to Stephon Gilmore, former South Carolina Gamecock defensive star. His big interception there late in the game sealed it as the Rams were driving. But he got a big pick there near the goal line. And that helped the Patriots hold on. And they get the win in a big way, 13-3. The Rams did try to score toward the end. It was all a waste of time. Hey, got to give another shout-out to the field goal kicker, the Goskowski, I believe is his name, for the New England Patriots. Mississippi native and a former 
kicker for the Memphis Tigers. So good job there. Go Tigers, go. But the Patriots, a team of destiny. And I, I, I saw one of the interviews Edelman gave after the game where he, he kind of referenced that, yes, now Tom Brady with his sixth Super Bowl title. That ties the great Michael Jordan of basketball with that sixth title. So he's right on that. But the New England Patriots, your world champions right now. Now to college football, some news coming out of Tallahassee as Florida State quarterback DeAndre Francois has been dismissed from the team, according to its head coach, Willie Taggart. He announced this on Sunday. Taggart said in a statement that he had told Francois on Saturday night he is no longer part of the program. Taggart's decision to drop Francois came the same day the quarterback's girlfriend posted a video to Instagram alleging abuse by Francois, according to the Associated Press. So that is bad news if you're a Florida State Seminole fan. Francois, who's had injury problems, now off the team in Florida State, and I'm not sure if anybody else is going to give him a, a chance to play in 2019 or not. I'm sure he'll probably just need to sit out and maybe see what happens with the allegations. But if you're, a, again, a Knowles fan, last season was terrible. This season not shaping up to be all that much better with the loss of Francois behind center. Now to college basketball, more ACC news as we go from football to basketball. Did you see the score of the NC State Virginia Tech basketball game? It was the worst percentage shooting of NC State in its program history. The Wolfpack lost. They were in the top 25, by the way, in this game. And Virginia Tech came to Raleigh for a game over the weekend. And the Hokies won 47-24. to NC State scored 24 points in an entire game. And just horrible, horrible numbers there. And it was the lowest percentage in the history of the ACC, by the way, the 16.7% shooting that NC State had in this loss to Virginia Tech. I know this is not necessarily going to indicate the entire record and resume of the Wolfpack, but golly, what a horrible score there. They were number 23 in the country during this game, and something tells me they won't be there Next time we talk to Jonathan Leifheit with our ACC report. You're looking back at the top 25 over the weekend in addition to the Hokies going to Raleigh and winning in the ACC. Florida State at 25. They knocked off Georgia Tech. Mississippi State got a win in Oxford over the Mississippi Land Sharks, 81-75. Iowa State took care of Texas. Iowa State 20 in the country. They won 65-60. A little bit of an upset in the in the SEC as Arkansas went on the road and beat number nineteen LSU ninety to eighty nine. The Kansas State Jayhawks took care of Texas Tech in Lawrence seventy nine sixty three. UNC went on the road to Louisville, won at the Yum Center seventy nine sixty nine. Number nine Nevada won ninety three seventy three over Boise State in the SEC. Kentucky with a big win. They are number seven in the country when this game happened. They took care of Florida sixty five fifty four. Michigan State lost to Indiana in overtime seventy nine seventy five. The Hoosiers get the win. Gonzaga they're ranked fourth in the country. They won over San Diego eighty five sixty nine. Virginia took care of Miami fifty six forty six. Duke defeated St. John's 91-61. And the Tennessee Vols continue their winning ways. They got a win in College Station against the Texas A&M Aggies. And the number one Vols won 93-76. And that's a quick look at college basketball basketball from the weekend. Hopefully your team, and maybe if you're a New England's Patriot fan, your team won that one too. When we come back on the Y'all Show, we're going to have the Teller of Tales from Takapola Way. Short Stories with Jerry Short. That is next here on the Monday edition of Y'all.
There's never been a better time to switch to Sprint Unlimited and enjoy a great wireless plan at an amazing price. For a limited time, make the switch to Sprint and get your third, fourth, and fifth lines free. That means five lines of Unlimited for just $20 per month per line. That's a savings of more than $1,000 your first year over Verizon and AT&T. Hurry to a Sprint store, visit Sprint.com slash Unlimited, or call 800-SPRINT-1. Make the switch to Sprint today and get your third, fourth, and fifth lines free. That's five lines of Unlimited for just $20 per month per line from Sprint, a network built for Unlimited. This is a limited-time offer, so act now. After 131-2020, pay $32 per month per line for five lines of Unlimited Basic with AutoPay. Savings compared to Verizon Go Unlimited and AT&T Unlimited and more for five lines. Features differ. Coverage and offer not available everywhere. Excludes taxes, fees, and roaming. Subject to credit and $30 activation fee. Speed maximums, use rules, and restrictions apply. So, maybe you've got a big love for your sweetheart, but a small budget. Hey, we've got your Valentine's Day covered. Now with Sherry's Berries, you can love big and save big. Because now for just $19.99 plus shipping, you can treat your sweetheart to delicious dipped Valentine's strawberries. Watch her light up when she gets these ripe, juicy, delicious berries. Freshly dipped in dark, white, and milk chocolatey goodness. And covered in decadent toppings like chocolate chips and hard and glitter sprinkles. Only from Sherry's Berries. Just $19.99 plus shipping. And don't stop there because for another $19.99, you can add a dozen red roses to those amazing dipped berries shipped together at no extra charge to make her Valentine's Day unforgettable. That's Sherry's Berries for only $19.99 plus shipping and a dozen red roses for just $19.99 more. The only way to get this amazing deal is to go to berries.com, click on the microphone in the upper right-hand corner, and enter code 1000. That's berries.com, click on the mic, enter code 1000. Berries.com, code 1000. It's the Y'all Show back with you here in this segment on this Monday. It's the Teller of Tales from Takapola. It's short stories with the one and only Jerry Short here on the Y'all Show with your host, John Rawl. Jerry, happy day after Super Bowl 53. Golly, that's one uh, you can talk about later today. <laughs> I, don't know I, I don't know if I can face up to it or not. Yeah, you know what I know. I, I know. What I, Jerry, we're going to have you on. We're going to preface this whole interview with you. We're going to talk some football with you here and mostly about the old days. And also, we're going to go from football to blackface. What a transition there. But as we all know, if you watch the news over the weekend, the governor of Virginia, Governor Northam, was in a whole lot of hot water and had a press conference. And Jerry, you and I are going to relate what happened this past weekend with the governor of Virginia to what happened, oh, about 17 years ago to a guy named Trent Lott of Mississippi uh, and what happened there when he said some kind remarks at Strom Thurmond's 100th birthday party and how that ended up biting him in the tuchus and brought him down, essentially, from his power in Washington, D.C., and the reaction. And we're going to kind of weave those two scandals together here on the Y'all Show as we do talk with a southern accent 
But Jerry, back to football, rather sluggish uh-huh. Super Bowl 53 in Atlanta, kind of a, a throwback game. And I know you're a guy that I saw a lot of people on social media over the weekend that pretty much threw the gauntlet out there at the very beginning, before the game even started, saying, I don't care about the Super Bowl, These the, the Saints got robbed, whatever the case might be. But a lot of people just choose to not watch the Super Bowl. People that are even football fans don't watch it. Well, that's true. I think they boycotted in New Orleans at the Superdome. They've got some kind of special going on and yeah. the fundraiser down there, and they completely boycotted it. And I know that was over one call, but, uh, I mean, you go back through football history and everybody has had a bad call. It might have cost them a collegiate national championship or a professional championship. So just because that one happened when it happened, I know it looks bad. It is bad. It was a bad call. But my gosh, how many bad calls have I saw in my football watching years? Yeah, mostly at the college level. But you would think the professionals and the referees maybe would have a flawless deal. But anytime you got a human being involved, Jerry, whether it's football or life, things can not go the way you expect them to. Well, you know, I stood on the football field doing uh, football reports and photographing and as a photographer and, and writing stories, too. And, and look, you can be standing on top of someone and miss a call. The angles, yeah, you take, you, it's a lot of geometry from where uh, an official might be standing yeah. to where something happens. So, you know, you can't blame it all on, on anything except that's just a line of sight. And well, uh, you, you have been, not really recently, but for decades, you literally have been on the sidelines of a lot of college football games. And if you don't believe me, you can go back and look at some old video of bowl games like the Hall of Fame Bowl. And sure enough, there's Jerry Short with a camera on the sideline, and he captured all this stuff. I know it's easy to talk about what you see out there, but what about the sounds, Jerry? What is it like to be on the sideline of a big game from a sound standpoint, especially what's coming from the gridiron? Do you hear a lot of curse words, for example? Uh, Not really that many. You're liable to. You hear more on the sideline when you walk between the benches. Mm-hmm. And uh, from some of those players, maybe the ones that are partaking, sometimes they don't even look like they're paying any attention to what's going on. But as far as what's going on the field, you hear a few uh, SOBs or something like that. But it's not it's not really that vulgar or bad. It's it's you know that most everybody's trying to win a football game. Yeah, I didn't know uh, if the officials were kind of used to the vulgarity. And they really rarely call. Uh, they call don't call personal fouls because of vulgarity. No, it's usually it's usually when you get a personal foul, it's usually for some kind of taunting deal or shoving. Yeah, you know, and it it can be a real chicken call sometimes. But there again, I lay, I lay a lot of that on angles because I've seen so many different angles, and then when I saw it on TV, a rerun. I mean, I would almost think, was that the same place? Yeah. That's the same thing. So it, it's not exactly as bad as it looks like it is. And uh, officials, like you said, they're human. If you put another one on the field, I don't know if that would matter. Mm-hmm. You know, you got you got too many out there really now. You're kind of in the way. Uh, I kind of wish they'd do away with uh, instant replay because uh, 
it's always been a human error involved mm. and there always will be and you can't uh, ask for a replay on every play so you know i really don't know what it accomplishes so you know on with the super bowl and and on with the record and who has the best record let them play it off yeah and uh and so be it. I mean, a lot of people can't tell you who won the Super Bowl three, four years ago. And they were probably involved really big in it, unless you had a substantial wager. There's <laughs> been a lot of those this year. Well, Jerry, I know you're a guy who likes to think about the old days from time to time. And that's one reason we have you on the Y'all Show, where we have the teller of tales of Takapola, the, the man who can recite what happened 50 years ago, but reciting what happened 50 seconds ago might be a little bit of a challenge for you at times. But oh, yeah. Jerry, I want to ask you that Super Bowl 53 on Sunday evening, certainly, as we said, kind of got off to a very boring slash sluggish, but maybe a great defensive effort also. And that harkens back to maybe some of the, some of the great games when you were a youngster. And I just want to talk about how the NFL's changed to where people like me who are so used to this high octane NFL yes. and professional, even colleges, very high octane. But back in the fifties, when you had Chunk and Charlie Connerly and others, it was a very different game. At least the net result was always a, usually a low-scoring game. Oh, I mean, you usually, you know, if you got two touchdowns up in the 50s, you could just about chalk it up in the second half that you were going to win the ball game. Because two touchdowns were just about impossible to overcome in a half. And, you know, I watched the sudden death 58 game with uh, the Giants and uh, Baltimore and, uh, Colts. Baltimore Colts. And I'll never forget that one. And, you know, that was one that Alan Amici scored down low. Uh, Giants didn't get their hands back on the ball. Uh, cold polo grounds. Uh, you know, just tremendous football game. But not that high of scoring. And uh, it goes on. That, 58, that was the 58 NFL championship game. And, uh-huh. of course, the Giants were the favorite team in that game. But the Colts actually won the game. And it was a little bit of a shocking game, Jerry. And one, was one of the reasons it was a shocking upset is because the Baltimore Colts franchise at that time was only about five years old. That's right. It's pretty new. Johnny Unitas hadn't made a name for himself, and uh, Alan Amici was their fullback. And you know he was out of Big Ten country. Most of the players, you know, a lot of the players for them were Big Ten players. New York Giants had lots of Southern players. You know, two of my favorite, of course, would have been Ole Miss players. Jimmy Patton playing uh, cornerback and linebacker. A small guy played quarterback at 52 at three at Ole Miss. And then Charlie Conley, 42, the quarterback. And, you know, they didn't even start Conley, the coach of the Giants. They wouldn't start him at a ball game. And he didn't start in that in that championship game. he come in to the second series. Hmm. And I'll never understand why the coach of the Giants then would do that. He would uh, he would do it no matter who they were playing during regular season and all time, and they would lose two downs. They, the Giants and 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 essence just completely gave up two series, and uh, and then in, uh, in that game, uh, that was one of uh, Frank Gifford was kind of new out of Southern Cal, mm-hmm. and uh, the Giants were driving at the end of the game before uh, before they t- before Baltimore tied it up. And he went to sudden death, but uh, Frank Gifford fumbled at about the twenty-yard line or so, and I believe the Giants would have went in and would have never had a sudden death. But to come back to sudden death, and they drove it down the field, and 
and they opened the hole up right down at the goal line, and Alan Amici goes in, and the 58 game made pro football. I think that was the beginning of pro football. If I'm not mistaken, Vince Lombardi was an assistant for the Giants that year, and uh, or he had been the year before, and uh, he went to Green Bay and turned it around by the time the NFL and AFL combined. But, uh, you know, yeah, like you said, low scores were kind of the kind of the mark then. And collegially also, my best games, I've talked about them before, so I don't even bring them back, but my best games I ever saw were 0-0 before the uh, uh, overtime games and uh, 3 to nothing games, 7-3 to three games. That's the Billy Cannon run. Mm-hmm. And uh, then, you know, 21 to nothing and a repeat in the Sugar Bowl, but – that hardly ever happened if you ever played anybody again. It's hard to beat somebody twice. And uh, so LSU was at a disadvantage. But, you know, at 21 to nothing was like, my gosh, you'd scored 100 points. So uh, things have really changed. The game changed. It's so much faster. So much if you're standing on the sideline now, I didn't really realize it from, you know, I'm a pretty big guy. And I get down there and I really feel small. And and slow, and I and I at one time I was fairly fast, and I feel I feel really slow. They're moving so quick, and they're so strong, and they're so big, and you know they couldn't play. Everybody would get killed if they wore 1950 uniforms. <laughs> I think it would stop some of this. It's targeting and it's it's hitting as hard as they do. If they had a helmet that would spin around on their head, or if they had shoulder pads that would fall off and break, and you were constantly fixing stuff like that. But anyway, it, it's it's good to talk about. Jerry, let me bring back a name from the decades past that you may have forgotten who he is. Do you know the head coach of the New York football Giants back in those late 1950s games you were talking about? I believe it was Hawk. No, uh, it was Jim uh, Lee Howell. Howell, yeah, Howell. I knew it was with an H. From yeah. Lone Oak, Arkansas. Did I say that name correctly? Yeah, that's right. Lone Oak, which yeah. is in Lone Oak County near yeah. Little Rock, kind of to the it's east. Right of out Little. of Little Rock. Mm-hmm. He, he, get this. He played for the Arkansas Razorbacks out of Lone Oak, Arkansas. Jim Lee Howell, mm-hmm. that is. And went on to play for the New York Giants as a player from 1937 mm-hmm. to 1942, and then also in 46 and 47. Jerry, while he was playing for the New York Giants in the NFL, he was elected to the Arkansas House of Representatives, serving as a representative of Lone Oak County, and that happened in 1940. He served one term and then went back to going to play football again. But how about that? An active player in the NFL being elected to the Arkansas House of Representatives. Yeah, unbelievable. I think it's been a couple more. I can't pull their names up right now, but it hadn't been many, and and he may have went off to the Army. I know a lot of them left in 40, 41, mm-hmm. and went on and, and joined the Army and uh, came back and played in 47 and 46 at what Charlie Connolly was one. He was 29 years old as a uh, senior at Ole Miss in a uh, single wing formation, mm-hmm. which is a little bit different than a, than a T or a drop back or a pro set or anything like that. So uh, it uh, a lot of them did do that, and yeah, he. I think that's one reason he recruited the South so well, John. That uh, his main recruiting base was Texas. He had a life. You'll think back on the Texas players that 
that were on that 58, 59, 60 team. Then he ended up with Y.A. Tittle, LSU quarterback, to finish it off his career. And uh, got 62, 61, and something like that. And as Conley was petering out and finishing up. And uh, then he had Pat's uh, Summerall mm-hmm. to Houston, Texas. And, uh, I mean, it was just loaded with Southern boys. He drafted and, and coached stars that included six future Pro Football Hall of Famers, Sam Huff, Andy Robustelli, Rosie Brown, Emlyn Tunnel, Frank Gifford, and Don Maynard. Those are all Pro Football Hall of Famers coached by Jim Lee yeah, Howell. Yeah. Uh, Who did you say before Gifford? You said uh, I said oh, Sam Huff. Meredith. Yeah, Andy Robustelli, Rosie Brown, and Emlyn Tunnel. And one name I didn't mention, Jerry, and this is something you and I have talked before, is Chunkin' Charlie Connolly is not in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. This is a guy that I want you to give me the, some quick accolades, and then I'm going to tell people, if you don't know who Charlie Connolly was, well, you know his so it, image, and I'll tell you why it, in just a second. It's really hard to understand why he's not in that Hall of Fame because he was a uh, rookie of the year. He was a little bit older. He played uh, from six, from uh, 48, I think, to 61. And he retired. They had Charlie Conley Day in New York at the Polo Grounds. They give him stuff. Like I said, he, he had two uh, NFL championships, and they didn't have AFL then. And uh, he was player of the year a couple of times. And uh, every year he was he was an all uh, all pro. And so uh, why he's not in it, that's a mystery that I can't answer. And, uh, I mean, he was well – he was loved by the owners who still own the Giants. And uh, he had – you know, he I'm sure he's been nominated, but he's – well, I don't know if he has or not. He's never never been in the cut. So that – Charlie Connolly, uh, NFL champion in 1956. He made the Pro Bowl twice, 50 and 56. Mm -hmm. He was the most valuable player of the NFL in 1959. And Mm -hmm. he had his number 42 retired from the New York Giants. Right, right. And he's not in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. I guess we'll never be in it. If he hadn't made it by now, it's going to – you know, Gene Simmons was a – Gene Henners – what's his name? Hickerson. Hickerson from Tennessee. I think he was from up around Jackson, Tennessee. He uh, he was one of the late ones. And uh, so there's still a chance. There's an outside chance yeah. that he could be in. But it, it would it would take some political pull for, for him to get in. But there's a lot of more undeserving players that definitely are in that, than he didn't make it. And, and I'm not being a homer by saying that mm-hmm. because that was uh, – you know, I was just a little kid, and I did uh, love to watch him. But I think his statistics speak for themselves during that day and time. There was five or six good quarterbacks, and I don't know who made it. That Norm Van Brocklins and you know uh, Johnny Unanises and people like that around the league. And I don't know which one of those made it. Why? Why they did, and why he didn't be interesting to check into that. Well, good news is that Charlie Connerly is in the College Football Hall of Fame. He still holds, as of the end of the 2018 regular season, Charlie Connerly still holds at least 10 of the New York Giants franchise records, including most completions in a rookie season 
and he also has all kinds of other playoff records for the New York uh-huh. Football Giants. So what a incredible guy there who grew up in Clarksdale, Mississippi. Now, I told you what people might know Charlie Connolly by. After his playing days were over with for the New York Giants, he went on to be the Marlboro Man. He was the first Marlboro Man. And the way that story goes, him and uh, Pat Sumrall were roommates. And uh, uh, to get the announcing job before the Marlboro job, he uh, Charlie said, no, I'm going home. He said, I've got an interview uh, to be the uh, an announcer. And, and Sumrall was retiring, too. And he said, why don't you go on down to CBS and, and, and interview in my place? And then they got Conley to do the Marlboro thing. And, and he did it uh, on horseback. And then the one I think about him a lot, he was in a solid black tuxedo with his feet up and kicked back in a chair. Now, he got so ashamed of that in later life that he did away with all of his uh, memorabilia from the Marlboro man stuff. And uh, he just claimed uh, being the Marlboro man. Hmm. Hopefully he but, didn't uh, die of lung cancer. No, he didn't at all, but he, he knew that it was dangerous and he was ashamed that he uh, had anything to do with advertising cigarettes. Charlie Connolly yeah. died at age 74 in Memphis in 1996. Charlie Connolly of the New York football giants of the 1950s. And, of course, those were some great teams. And, Jerry, always fun to talk about the old NFL with you here and any kind of football with you. Jerry, we have more to talk about. We're going to go to a break. When we come back, we're going to switch over from football to politics. And, boy, what a crazy weekend it was, and especially if you were in the state of Virginia, or I should say Commonwealth. We'll talk about what happened in the Commonwealth after this break here. This is the Y'all Show. Talk with a Southern accent. Wes worked hard to make his dream of playing in the NHL come true. Every day, he'd be out playing street hockey constantly. Townspeople would drive by and shout, Get out of the street! But Wes never gave up. Well, until one day when someone yelled, Get in the car! You're going to make us all late to work! Because Wes was a 43-year-old accountant and he commuted with that guy downtown. So Wes never played in the NHL. But he did hear how Geico, proud partner of the NHL, could save him money on car insurance. So he switched and saved and made his other dream come true. In winter, you can practically hear your skin changing. Drying out, flaking, tightening, becoming itchy, irritated, and inflamed. You need the fast relief of Cortisone 10 Intensive Healing Anti-Itch Cream. Unlike regular lotions, Cortisone 10 relieves itch and irritation with 1% hydrocortisone, the strongest non-prescription itch medicine, plus seven healing moisturizers. With Cortisone 10, winter can just sound fun again. Cortisone 10. Feel the heal. Use as directed.
And welcome back to The Y'all Show with John Raw. Glad to have you back. We've got short stories going on right now. The Teller of Tales from Sacapola is with us. Jerry Short, if you want to get on board The Y'all Show, our number is 803-816-1170. We'd love to get your reaction to anything Jerry Short has to say, your questions, comments, suggestions for future topics for The Great Storyteller. Jerry, we've got our football behind us now. Let's switch over, talk a little politics and and blackface as well. That was the big subject over the weekend as Ralph Northam, the governor of the Commonwealth of Virginia, was in a lot of hot water after a photo leaked out on Friday showing a man in blackface and a person wearing a Ku Klux Klan outfit standing beside the man in blackface at a party from 1984. Was This was in the medical school yearbook that Northam attended in the Norfolk, Virginia area. And this thing, after 35 years of being hidden, all of a sudden surfaces at the end of last week, causing quite a ruckus for the governor. And here's a guy who barely won election a few years ago, partly because he accused his challenger on the republican side ed gillespie of being uh, i guess a fan of racism or racism was a part of the election as honestly it is in just about everything these days but he won that election and now this picture surfaces and it was not the happiest weekend in the governor's mansion in richmond your thoughts on that jerry and and also i want to connect it to something that happened about 18 years ago with trent lott of mississippi all right well as i looked at that uh, those photos of his annual it's a lot of it's a lot of things that, that uh, go into play in that and he says that he uh it's right out of the shoot he, he apologized then he later he says that he apologized because so many people were blaming him and he hadn't even looked at it. then he goes back the next day says he looked at the pictures and uh they're not him it's nowhere they're him well if they're in his annual and they're in his uh fraternity and uh, whoever was uh, annual staff, and they got that book printed, uh, he's just as to blame as if he didn't knew it was there, or if he didn't know it was there. If you know, if there's something wrong with that. So uh, I'm not saying there is, I'm not saying there's not. I know people had fun, people played around a lot. He said he moonwalked. He said he he uh, put some shoe polish on his face because he was in a play that same year. And he wanted to do a moonwalk. So, I mean, this guy's just full of all kind of stuff besides his abortion tactics that he pulled that same two days before that, I believe. And I believe that's what brought that out because I know a situation with Trent White that happened when uh, he said that about Storm Thurman at, at his 100th birthday. And he said, you know, we may have been better off if you would have been elected president of the Dixiecrats, and that was all in fun at a party. And Trent Lott was stabbed in the back and forsaken by Bush, President Bush at the time. And and that's when Trent Lott was the majority leader. And that's all he said. And that was at a party for Norm Thurman, who at the time was a, he was a senator. Well, he wasn't retired then. He had retired senator. No, he was but, still active. He he, he died. Was still active, wasn't he? he yeah. died in office. He did. That's right. Right. Not too long after that. I mean, that was just a come crashing down. And I, I blame Bush on a lot of that. But where I was going a while ago when I was thinking about that annual and, and I've, I've come to realize that the media are the opposite party 
when they want to try to get dirt on the uh, the candidate that they're running against, they they go into digging into different things. And one of the thing, one of the first things they look for that I've been explained to it is uh, they look at old annuals because old annuals sometimes it might be what somebody writes about you. It might be what they say about you. But if they can get any information out of an annual on you or your photo, now Trent Lott and Thad Cochran, both uh, at uh, at the same time, they were cheerleaders at the University of Mississippi. The University of Mississippi cheerleaders came onto the football field in front of the team waving big Confederate flags. This was in the early 1960s. Now, that was when they were there, and it, well, it, it went all the way to the 70s. But when they were specifically, when Trent Lott yeah. was a cheerleader, yeah. we're talking late 50s, they, early they, 60s, in the right, prime time right. of Ole Miss football glory. Right. Yeah, that's exactly right. And, and it was a tradition, and the cheerleaders always in, up down the sideline, and the cheerleaders would take the small flags and throw them up in the stands so the fans would all have flags. So it wasn't any big thing, but the New York Times, if I'm not mistaken, got uh, one of the uh, – uh, photographers that covered Ole Miss sports and they got him to go research the university library. This is after the whole Miss. Trent Lott brouhaha. After it broke. After it broke. And they wanted him to dig up so they could put mud on Trent Lott. They wanted him to dig up annuals. So he went and pulled all the annuals when Trent Lott was a cheerleader and looked at the, at the sports section uh, part of them to see if they could get a photo of him coming on the field waving a big rebel flag. They wanted to print that in uh, one of the northern presses or magazines or, or TV. And so it was, you know, it was more, they offered this boy substantial amount of money if he could uncover one of those. So I know for a fact that he went to the university library, searched hard, I think he even got into microfilms searching for a picture. And uh, he was bad disappointed that if he found a picture of Lot, something was blocking Lot's face. You could see him carrying the pole, maybe if you knew it was him. <laughs> but he never could get the face to come up. Mm. It might be a rebel flag in front of his face. But that, bo- that boy tried his best because, uh, well, He's a little bit on the liberal side, I think, anyway, but he uh, he wanted that exposed. He wanted that and money, he, too, but so did the New York Times. They they wanted to drive Trent Light out of Washington as fast as possible, as they would anybody. Look, we saw what happened with Roy Moore. It was the New York Times, I believe, that sent reporters to Alabama a month in advance of that election to try to dig up anything they could on these rumors that yeah. have been circulating. and. And I'm not trying to defend more totally, but I do believe they did some dirty tricks in Alabama prior to that Senate race. Oh, that's their MO. And they did. And, and I think this, uh, this, 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 uh, album or, uh, I think it, had, I think they already had the thing. I just don't think it had been used of yeah. him in the, uh, in the blackface and the, uh, Klan outfit. I believe they already had that annual, uh, and they brought it out after what was said about the abortion thing. Yeah, to hurt him about the abortion thing. I, I will. I will defend Northern to some degree. 
I'm sure the annual for this medical school wasn't exactly a high priority. In fact, he said he was already serving in the Army away from Virginia when that thing was even released, so he had never even seen it. That's probably – I'm not going to doubt him on that. And I know from my own college experience where we had a very um, unpredictable yearbook staff – that whenever the final result came out, man, there were mistakes all over it, misprints, misspellings, pictures not on the page, pictures out of place. So who knows what in 1984 the yearbook staff had going on at this particular medical school. Jerry, I just still find it hard to believe, even today, but let's say something that happened 35 years ago, something that you did, let's say in blackface from 35 years ago could be that yeah. that that damaging and you know why i bring this up i'm not trying to say blackface is a great thing i'm not no. but in the 1980s i'm not saying that it was that commonplace but i remember yeah. as a small child jerry one of the funniest movies i ever saw was the 1976 richard pryor gene wilder movie called silver streak do you know that movie uh is that the one about the train crossing the country? Yes, and Wilder, yeah. they're like being wanted by the cops, and Wilder goes into the bathroom and paints up his face black and puts a jam box on his on his shoulder and comes out. It's yeah. just, I mean, I guess, you, I guess in today's world it should be burnt. But boy, this Richard Pryor movie, Silver Streak, and I, I saw it as a youngster. It, yeah. it was hilarious. Well, you can go back to Eddie Cantor. And, you know, they did blackface all the time. And Bob Hope would be with him. Mm-hmm. And they would all laugh and talk about, it. you know, it was just, it was just a, a comedic act is all it was. And it, they didn't mean anything racial about it. I mean, Richard Pryor was the star of Silver Street. Oh, I know. And there he is a black gentleman and uh, it didn't bother him at all. And, and I don't think that was about the money. I think it, Times have changed so doggone much. In the last five years. I'm, I think mm-hmm. 10 years ago, this wouldn't be that big of a story. Now, we're in a Klan outfit. I'm sorry. That's a little bit, that's a different level, but a, a blackface comedic, if you're doing it for comedy, especially from the 1980s and 70s, I, I don't know yeah. why or how. And he, the governor's coming out saying that wasn't even me back then, but I'm just telling you that a movie like Silver Street, which if I saw it, I know a lot of people saw Silver Street. They, this was only you know seven eight years after that movie was out, and perhaps that could have been no big deal in 1984 to wear blackface. But it wasn't, and you know what? And nobody thought about stuff like that. Nobody took things to the extreme that they do today. Yeah, I mean you you can take a penny and make a silver dollar out of it today, and it wasn't like that before. This has all evolved. It's kind of like I asked Trent Lott the question one time: When did it become uh, famous? Uh, responsibility to take care of people from, uh, say, uh, conception to death. And he said, it's just evolved. Mm-hmm. You know, so that's kind of how I feel about this. It's just kind of evolved. And then remember, if you're a, more of a modern movie guy, it was 15 years ago when the Wayans brothers had white chicks out where black guys put on white makeup and pretended to be white girls. So, I mean, That's right. I'm just trying to say what kind of crazy world we live in where it's like something that you did 35 years ago, perhaps in, uh, in you know, trying to be funny, black or white. I mean, what's the difference between well, what white chicks is and what I just told you about the Richard Pryor movie? There's no difference. Well, it's, it, at the same time, uh, John, they, they're, they're trying to 
lower the standards on uh, prisoners that have committed pretty dang uh, violent crimes and giving them a second, third chance. And I'm not giving this governor a second, third chance because, I, you know, I would get him on his abortion talk, if anything. Mm. I wouldn't, you know, that aside, they're giving everybody else second, third, and fourth chances. And I'm sure the Democrats will come up with ways to try to free him loose from all this if he can hold on. Well, it's a and, developing story out of Richmond. And like I said, bringing the Trent Lott part of this into it where we saw in 19, in 2002, 2003, yeah. whenever that was going on, yeah. we saw George Bush. What hurt my feelings as a, a native South Carolinian, which I was proud to see Strom Thurmond make it to 100, that yeah. you had a great – I mean, at that time, Trent Lott was about as big as it got in national politics. He was. He really was. And for his own commander-in-chief at that time from the same party, George Bush, essentially throw him under the bus – for, for just trying to make the man feel good, that would be Strom Thurmond. And then, sadly, Trent Lott went on a tailspin and went on all kind of apology tours, and I think he didn't have to do all that. I don't think he had to do it either, but I don't think he would have went quite as far if George Bush hadn't went as far as he did yeah. by pushing it. He pushed him up against the dang wall and said, apologize or else. What if what if Trent Lott was from Wyoming and had said the same comment? You think he would have had to do all that? Oh, uh, if he'd have been from California, probably not. But because he was uh, from Mississippi and that but stigma, from Mississippi, it just stands out. Uh, you know, as I said, Hollywood it stands out from some movie like Mississippi Burning, which is Hollywood painting a painting their crooked picture of a, a state that's really no different from any of the other southern states, but. Uh, you get painted in that corner, and how do you get out of it? And Bush could have cared less. Yeah. And I've never been a Bush fan, not because of that, but yeah, they were just too progressive for me. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that's well, why. I Jerry, you know what? Here on the Y'all Show, we're rather progressive this week. We are going tomorrow, and I hope you can join us. We're going to go to Water Valley, Mississippi, on our next yeah. edition of Y'all Show. How about that? That sounds like a... I guess I need to get the train ticket and head that direction. <laughs> We're moving up here. We're getting progressive, going to Water Valley, but we'll do that. And we appreciate all your input on another exciting edition of Short Stories, the Teller of Tale from Takapola Way. Jerry Short here on the Y'all Show. Thank you, Jerry. You are certainly welcome. I'm looking forward to tomorrow then. Glad to see you. Yes, sir. All right. Well, we appreciate Jerry. We appreciate you all tuning us in here on the Y'all Show. When we do join you from Water Valley on the Tuesday edition, we're going to have a lot of good stuff. Sports Land Yat will be on, and we'll take a look at some political activity besides what happened with Ralph Northam in Virginia. What else is going on in Dixie in terms of political speak? We'll have all that on the Tuesday edition of the Y'all Show with the General John Rawl. Thanks for listening. There's never been a better time to switch to Sprint Unlimited and enjoy a great wireless plan at an amazing price. For a limited time, make the switch to Sprint and get your third, fourth, and fifth lines free. That means five lines of Unlimited for just $20 per month per line. 
That's a savings of more than $1,000 your first year over Verizon and AT&T. Hurry to a Sprint store, visit Sprint.com slash unlimited, or call 800-SPRINT-1. Make the switch to Sprint today and get your third, fourth, and fifth lines free. That's five lines of unlimited for just $20 per month per line from Sprint, a network built for unlimited. This is a limited time offer, so act now. After 131-2020, pay $32 per month per line for five lines of unlimited basic with auto pay. Savings compared to Verizon Go Unlimited and AT&T Unlimited and more for five lines. Features differ. Coverage and offer not available everywhere. Excludes taxes, fees, and roaming. Subject to credit and $30 activation fee. Speed maximums, use rules, and restrictions apply.